0: Bell ringers, thank you for opening our service with such a peaceful, beautiful piece of music. Good morning, friends, and welcome uh, to Myers Park United Methodist Church, our 945 service on this, the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. Good grief, Uh, Ash Wednesday, Lent's coming soon. Ash Wednesday is on Valentine's Day this year. It's like so romantic. (laughs) Welcome. Uh, welcome those of you in the room. Many more we know is always joining us online. It's good to be together in God's house. I wanted to mention to you, among other things going on, that uh, tomorrow night at seven o'clock here, uh, we have Kate Bowler. Kate's like a, a rock star in the religion business, uh, but yet she's a friend also. And she's coming. She and I will have a conversation. Uh, She has a brand-new book that just came out this week called have a beautiful terrible day It's a sequence of daily readings that are really really good and thoughtful We're commending this to the congregation as a congregation-wide read. We have many copies of this uh, In our goodness gracious gift shop. You can get them at amazon. You get them all kinds of places So uh, I commend this book to you as well. We hope you can join us tomorrow night Uh, I see uh, quite a number of you visiting with us we're really honored that you've come we hope you'll come back we hope you leave us some contact information so we can reach out to you learn about you you can learn about us see if we can support you in some way Um, she'll tell you how to do that though so my (laughs) name's James Howell and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague Reverend Jessica (laughs) Dayson.
1: good to be with you this morning if you would just take a moment and pass the pews they're located on the Pass the pads, too many P words. Pass the pads from the center of the aisles down and just let us know your information. It's a good way for us to be able to get in contact with you and and hear from you and know how we can be in service with you. Don't forget, you can also use the QR code and online, there is a link that you can submit um, your information as well. We hope that, uh, we're glad you're here, but we hope that you'll also find ways to get plugged in. Make sure you look inside our bulletin. Or check out our website. There's ways to serve and there's small groups and Bible studies happening and we hope you will take advantage of those things. Friends, we know that the Spirit of God is in this place, so let us continue to prepare for worship. God, now let us join our voices together as we profess our faith through the Apostles' Creed as found in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, we are grateful that we can come here just as we are that we don't have to wear any masks or pretend but we can just bring ourselves before God that we can confess our sins here in this place knowing that God is quick and eager to forgive please join me in the prayer of confession as found in your bulletin gracious God our sins are too heavy to carry too real to hide too hidden even to realize and too deep to undo. Forgive what we hesitate to name, what our hearts can no longer bear. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow into your likeness. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners that proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
2: The epistle reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with the first verse. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if one loves God, one is known by him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through being hitherto accustomed to idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. Only take care lest this liberty of yours somehow becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you, a man of knowledge, at table in an idol's temple, might he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this man is destroyed the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of my brother's falling, I will never eat meat, lest I cannot cause my brother to fall. This is the word of God for the people of God.
3: I think it's only natural, human, to uh, think of the past with great fondness. It could be people, it could be situations, it could be institutions for that matter. We And I'm just as much as guilty about this as anyone. We are very nostalgic of the way things used to be. We romanticize of our past, my past, and perhaps for good reasons especially in the life of our church, the United Methodist Church, over the last few years, maybe a decade or so, there's been a lot of nostalgia, romanticizing of how the church used to be, whether it be, don't you know, 10 years ago, a generation or two ago. Uh, many of us think back fondly of the days when the early Christian original church started thinking to ourselves, if only we were more like that, things would be better we would be more faithful with good intentions but if you ever have such temptation of thoughts i invite you to read the bible i invite you to look through paul's letter to the corinthians philippians galatians any and all of paul's letter and we'll quickly find out that there are some serious problems in the life of the original ancient christian church not so different from us so that's kind of the bad news I guess there's been issues and challenges and problems divisions from our inception but here's the good news we're still here God's church Uh, we're still here not because we're good enough to be here we're still here because God calls us to be present in the world we're still here because God is still with us and God leads us as we journey onward together Uh, Speaking of problems Myers Park United Methodist Church. We have problems too, but as I've said before in the past We got some really good problems one of the great problems that we have at our church is a lack of parking spaces. Yes Uh, Which has been made even more difficult the last couple of weeks That's a good problem. We have so many folks now We got countless folks joining us online but we have so many folks who wishes to be here in person in person worship that we cannot accommodate in ways of parking. That's a problem, but a good problem. So, in case you've not had a chance to read our announcements, uh, we do have our shuttle services starting back up next Sunday from 9 to 1230. So that affects 945 service and 11 o'clock service at Mars Park Traditional just down the street. Please utilize that. Rain or shine or snow, that shuttle will take you all the way to the front door of the parish lobby. It's the best way to park. At our church And if you have any questions about that, just email me directly. I'll get you here in any way, shape or form. Back to Corinth. One of the problems that the Corinth Church is having, according to Paul, in regards to food and idols, about what to eat, what not to eat, there are some challenges around this. Of the 613 Levitical laws, there are a whole lot of laws that deals with food what's clean, unclean, how to prepare, where to prepare, when to prepare, good food, bad food. It's a big, big deal. I think for those of us in the Western Christianity in the 21st century, it's easy for us to dismiss this as being trivial and and out of date. Uh, But for the life of God's people for so long, uh, dietary laws wasn't about, I don't know, culinary enjoyment. It had a lot to do with being set apart as God's people. It was important. But here we have, we read, throughout the early, Christian, early ancient Christian church, one of the big problems they're having is there are a lot of people, mostly Gentiles, who don't know these laws and rules and boundaries surrounding food, uh, let alone practice them faithfully. There is a disparity of knowledge knowing what to do. So that goes to the question of the function of knowledge itself, the spirit of knowledge in any institution, especially in the worshiping community. It can cause conflict and confusions. So one must ask, what's the exact function? What's the purpose of knowing, knowing more about God, knowing more about our tradition, knowing more about who we are as the church? It's been mentioned before, but when I went back to to Duke to uh, to study again not too long ago. Uh, Dr. Howe was one of my professors. He taught Old Testament there. And one of the assignments that he gave to us one day was uh, distinguish, discern the differences, if there is any to be had, between knowledge and wisdom. Right? Oh, well, that's easy enough. That's, 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 that's not too bad. One of the hardest assignments that I've ever had knowledge and wisdom. What's the difference? What's their. Function. I don't know about you, I've known plenty of folks who are both very knowledgeable and wise in my life. They've been my mentors. I consider my parents to be such a case. There's been folks who possess knowledge and wisdom who've allowed me to pivot and turn every which way throughout the 42 years of my life. I've benefited greatly from their knowledge and wisdom. But I've also known plenty of people more often than not, including those with tremendous knowledge who live very foolish lives. You know people like that? Those who may consider themselves to be masters of their domain, captains of their industry, but they live what others would consider very silly lives. I've been that person at times i'm still that person this may be some of us here today so where does our knowledge lead us come with me with this thought exercise for a second imagine a mother with two kids a boy and a girl and she's about to leave her home for extended period of time months maybe even over a year so she and the kids are old enough to stay home on their own so the mom gives specific instructions knowledge wisdom for them while she's away for their own good for their own benefit you know things like how to clean the home how to cut the grass how to take care of the dog what to eat when to eat and most importantly how to care for each other some time goes by the mother returns home she's greeted at the door by the older sibling the daughter greets her hey mom welcome home we're we're so I'm so glad that you're here just so you know mom I remember everything that you told me verbatim. I memorized it in both English and Hebrew. I remember it. But just so you know, the house is a mess. We didn't cut the grass. The dog disappeared some time ago. We don't know where he is. And the brother, your son, is in the hospital, presumably still alive, haven't gone to visit. Welcome home. What's the function? of the knowledge especially when it pertains to our christian discipleship paul's letter to the church in corinth speaks to how our knowledge and subsequently our actions have an effect with those around us especially those who are relatively new to the church for better or for worse whether we like it or not it has profound effects on each other and paul warns us because he has a special heart He has a special place in his heart for whom he considered to be the weaker ones, So he warns the church in Corinth of the knowledge that puffs up, the type of arrogant knowledge that distracts and deters from folks to coming to the gospel, to becoming disciples of Jesus. To simply put, possessing knowledge is not enough, even the knowledge of God. Such knowledge must be accompanied by ethics of love, God's love that builds up, builds up the other, builds up the community. The core of Christian freedom is not rooted in knowledge, but it is before all else rooted in love, love that God has for us, love that has been given to us by God to be given to others. As Martin Luther writes when learning from Paul, he writes, a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Freedom found in Christ is nothing less than having the type of love for one another where we know ourselves to be responsible for each other. Paul writes throughout uh, 1 Corinthians, in our passage included, about not being stumbling blocks to the little ones, to the weaker ones, to our neighbors. That's so very important, isn't it? You know, there, uh, there's plenty of studies that suggest that one of the most uh, critical uh, need of early young Christians, our young ones, our children, and even youth, the number one indicator of the vitality and the fruitfulness of their faith when they leave home, can you guess what that might be? Interestingly enough, it's not worship is very important, but it's not worship. It's not mission, as important as mission is. It's not even the quality of our children ministry or youth ministry, and these are all contributory and important, but the most important aspect uh, that predicts the future vitality and fruitfulness of our young uh, Christian students, young people, is the discipleship of their parents, discipleship of yours, the faithfulness of the discipleship of around them. That's the most important, the type of love that we share, the the type of love that we give witness to. I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person that I I, want to know. I want to know. I want to know as much as I can know. Because for me, to know a lot means that I can get it right. And if I can get it right enough, I feel that I may just may deserve a place at the table, whatever that table may be, to deserve a place here, elsewhere. There's nothing wrong with knowing more and being right, but thank goodness that our God's understanding of space is far more expansive and generous than just knowing more and being right enough. That our god's understanding of space a place at the table a banquet table is so much more greater than that i've come to know over the years especially as a pastor the majority of the people that i encounter is not so much about knowing or even about being right although these things once again are important so many of the folks that i see in all places of worship they come because they desperately desire to belong to be known to be significant in the midst of our world that is otherwise, I don't know, so dismissive. It can't even discard people. And in the church, we make room. We make room. At the center of it all, I feel Paul's heart in this passage. and passages like this, Paul, more than just about anybody else, Paul knows the temptation of knowledge of arrogance He knows the type of knowledge that puffs up. He lived it. The type of knowledge that seeks not to build up, but that seeks to destroy and diminish, he lived that knowledge in his life, in his previous life, until he finally saw the light. He was literally struck down by that light, and that light is nothing less than the grace of God, and the grace of God is nothing less than the love of God that builds up. So Paul, Is so desperately trying to reach the early ancient christian church know as to build each other up know as to love one another more deeply and more faithfully i think jesus would say something like come follow me come be with me be in the midst of your faith family even if you don't have it all figured out even if you are a mess a little bit, if you don't know what's what, if you don't know the ABCs of all of this, if you don't know the Apostles' Creed, still come. There's room for you. I have room for you. We, the church here at Mars Park United Methodist Church, we have room for you. One of my friends and colleague, Carol Harston, she's also a pastor, she was, I got to know her through our Old Testament class. We had Dr. Howe together. I wanted to share what she reminded of uh, me recently. She's a pastor in Louisville. Louisville. Uh, A couple of years ago when I finished my program, I got my doctoral degree and and Dr. Howe was so gracious to recognize that this was, uh, I remember the date because it was significant for me. It was June of 2021. It wasn't so much the degree as much as uh, James recognized that degree and said, was." the best student, my best student. Not funny, he was just <laughs> sitting fat. And, but the truth of the matter is, Carol was the best of us all, she was the best student. Uh-huh. After 8.30 service, as we were walking down, James and I were walking down together, and James looked at me and he said, hmm, you're right, Carol really was the best student. <laughs> I wasn't bad. Uh, Jane Nelson's book, Positive Discipline, uh, in it her thesis is simply this, that every child desires to belong, that the child belongs in that family, and every child desires to, to feel significant, that the child's presence matters in that family. That's the core of her thesis of that book that this is what our children need the most a sense of belonging and significance and in the eyes of god and in the house of god every one of god's children uh, every one of god's children is significant and belongs and in reflection of this book carol wrote a prayer which i wish to share with you as we end this message and this is how she begins the prayer. She writes, so here's my prayer this dreary Wednesday afternoon. God, whose very spirit came in the embodiment of Jesus to bestow freely divine belonging in significance upon all, draw close to all those waiting for the church's embrace, so they may know a force of love greater than any institution. May the pivotal day come just in time when God beckons those who wait out of the belly of the fish, out of the chains, out of the wilderness, the angels sing when God's people claim their freedom and live as such. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: Friends, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, in wisdom you created all things and called them good. We look around at your creation. We are in awe, we're humbled. We have good cause to praise you, no, not merely to snap a Facebook photo of what is photogenic. We know that you made the photogenic, the unphotogenic, the unnoticed. It is all a testament to your glory, and we would be filled with awe and wonder and to contemplate the beauty, not just of your world, but the beauty in your mind and heart, O God. O Lord, in your mercy. We give you thanks for your goodness to us. Some of it we've noticed, most of it, it's just we've skated right by it. Your goodness is, is manifest all around every day, every hour, every moment. Uh, but we have this nasty tendency of thinking, I earned that, I deserved that, or it, it just is. You forget how good you are to us. We ask that you give us always eyes that notice hearts that love and minds that say lord thank you lord in your mercy lord you made this world but it, it's such a mess and and we're a mess everything is so broken we know it all shatters your heart it breaks our hearts sometimes we avert our gaze it's so such a mess but we know that you care and you want us to care we We bring our personal brokenness before you, our waywardness, our tendency to try to go it on our own, our cynicism, our despair, our hopelessness. We ask that you forgive us, not just in the sense of, oh, oh, it's okay, but that your healing mercy will somehow transform us into the people that you made us to be, that you want to set us free to be. We know that you've made us to be holy. We're not very holy, but your holiness can begin to live in us. And we pray for the brokenness of the world. So many places and names come to mind, whether it's Gaza or Ukraine or our own backyard, there's so much trouble just everywhere. We pray that peace might break out despite ourselves here. We pray that you might help each one of us to see is there some small way that I might be part of the answer to these prayers, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we know that in such a broken world, you need a church. We need a church. We're grateful for the church. Churches all over your world this day meeting for worship in so many languages and places and styles. It's a marvel in this tapestry of your people offering themselves up to you. We're grateful. We're grateful to be part of this church. There's a lot of dumb stuff that we do, but Lord, there's so much to be grateful for, so much that we do well. It's all for you. Lord, we ask that you help us always to be a place where every person matters and maybe especially those who are tempted to think, I don't matter, I can't matter there, that here they will know you matter. You're one of us, you're part of our family. We thank you that you revealed to us that we should name our capital campaign, Hope Is Here. It's a statement, it's a challenge, that we will be a place of hope here for those who need hope. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for all of those who are sick or hurting in any way, for those who battle the the constellation of things that we categorize as mental illness, people who struggle in relationships with loneliness, with all kinds of health problems, economic troubles. There's so much, Lord. We pray for those who are hurting and ask that you would show us ways that we might love, that we might support that we might be your presence for those who are suffering. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we ask that in our praying, we not just talk on and on and on, but also in our praying to you, instead of always saying, Lord, hear our prayer, that we might actually say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We want to hear your call. We know you were calling us. That is our dignity that you call us, that we matter to you and you want to use us. Help us to hear what you're asking of us and then give us the the will, the courage, the diligence to respond. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, now we pray in the silence as we share with you the secrets, the dreams, the wounds of our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, we pray these things and anything else that you might find to be helpful to us or to your church or to your world, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior, who taught his followers boldly to pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. as we come to receive our offering. I thank you for your generosity and ask for more. So many wonderful things happen because of your gifts. I think especially now our high schoolers are off on retreat. That's a great thing, but also they are using their third grade Bibles that they received a number of years back. Such so a special thing. Thank you for your generosity and making good happen through the life of our church. Thank you. Gracious God, all that we have is yours. It comes from you, it will return to you. We thank you for this privilege that we have to take what you have entrusted to us and to invest it in a way that matters in the work of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
3: Friends, you belong, Uh, you are significant. There is room in God's house for you and for me and for all of God's people. So, may the love of this God, the grace of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore, amen.